Hello and welcome back to Afternoon Bloom. My name is Rachel Helm and this week we're going to be continuing the conversation I had with Maria Fiaios, who's here with me today. If you didn't hear last week's episode, definitely go listen to that first because that will make a lot more sense moving on to this episode. But if you missed it, we touched base on Maria's history, how she grew up in Nicaragua and the full story to where we are now, where she is owning a roastery, a cafe, um, doing lots of other things in the coffee world. I could go on forever about Maria. I'm such a fan. <laughs> she is my boss. She's not making me say that. I swear to God. <laughs> but we had a really interesting conversation. We left on a really cool note that brought up the point that coffee is usually one of the cheapest things in the cup and milk costs more than coffee does. And, you know, it's, it's, such, a, it's such a discussion to be had. And I think that's the biggest thing in this podcast that I wanted to get out there. And I think all the episodes leading up to this and the importance of coffee um, this is a, the most important conversation we're having in all the episodes so far. So um, I'm really excited to have you here with me. And this episode, I'd really like to break down what is sustainability and, and how can we be more sustainable and and what's lacking in the coffee industry, you yes. know. Um, I think sustainability is probably one of the most misunderstood terms out there because sustainability can mean so many different things and especially if you're a coffee grower sustainability can have certain aspects that don't really seem to go hand in hand with what the roaster or the consumer is expecting of you um, as a grower so I think it's probably one of those mostly misconceived uh, terms when it comes to coffee Mm -hmm. right we throw that word around for everything, but very, very few people understand it. For me, on a personal level, sustainability is the fact that here's my grandfather's farm that he began in 1936, and the farm is still producing. The farm's still a very big component of the community where it's at. We are into three and four generations of people who have worked at that farm. And what could be a better testament to sustainability than that but for a lot of growers that is not a reality Uh, sustainability begins at the at the plantation level how long are those plantations actually going to be able to produce coffee for how much are you going to be able to draw from that land without having to turn to other things Mm -hmm. sustainability can be how you are preserving that natural environment. I mean, most coffee grown in um, mountain regions can actually be a huge benefit to the natural ecosystem. To begin with, you don't have to clear the land to grow coffee. You can grow coffee on that natural existing forest. Yeah. Um, You can use your coffee plantations to provide habitat for small mammals, birds, migrating migrating birds. Uh, That plantation can help with soil erosion. It can be beneficial in times of hurricanes, tornadoes. I mean, the list of benefits that coffee can give that environment and that ecosystem are huge. Um, Carbon sequestration, uh, climate change... It goes on and on. So you could talk about sustainability there. Mm -hmm. You can talk about sustainability in the terms of um, how profitable it is going to be for that coffee grower to produce coffee, which in turn will make it a socially 
impactful crop. Now you have a grower that might be able to send his children to school, and now we're raising the literacy rate in that community. Mm. So sustainability can mean so many things, yeah. and it's all connect, connected and comes back to that coffee bean. But it can't be sustainable you know, bringing it back to that cost of that cup of coffee. It can't be sustainable un- unless the market is willing to attach a price to those things. So it's not just about trying to give the grower a price for what its production costs are, which are simple things like what is it costing me to grow it, to pick it, to process it, to put it in a bag, to ship it out to a consuming country. Mm-hmm. But it has to include what is the environmental cost of, you know, if you're protecting that mountain and you are protecting that native forest, you're giving up some productivity because that is the reason why coffee that is grown in the sun, in flat lands, at 700 meters above sea level, it's so much cheaper Mm -hmm. than coffee grown under a natural forest at 1400 meters above sea level. Mm -hmm. There is a cost to that. So if we aren't willing as a consumer to accept that cost, Mm -hmm. then how can we talk about sustainability? Right. There is a cost of providing the right social elements to coffee. Are we, you know, is that grower able to provide medical care for his um, or her workforce, right? We, We live in a country where most people look expect some sort of benefit to being employed. Um, If it's not your employer giving you benefits, it's the government giving you benefits. Mm -hmm. But when you are in a country like Nicaragua where there is no such thing, so how can we expect that grower to be able to say to his farm help or his farm employees or to his pickers that there'll be some sort of, um, you know, uh, aspect to that social component? Mm If I had time, I can tell you a story. One of the very Dude, first yeah. times that it it really uh, sank to me or it really hit me deep of how important that social component was, was um, I was just, I had just had my first daughter, Celeste. Yes, she was her. just, yeah, <laughs> she was just six months old. We were in Nicaragua during coffee harvest. One of the ladies um, pickers was going to be having a baby. She was needed a cesarean. Mm. So my dad said to her family, we will take her to the hospital and, um, and, you know, to give her a ride for the cesarean. We got to the hospital and she went into her cesarean to have the baby. And, um, uh, you know, whatever, an hour or so later, one of the nurses comes running out to my mom and says, do you have any towels or blankets oh or something? Because we need to bring her out. And she's naked. Her family didn't bring anything. Oh, my God. So this is an open hospital. It's kind of hard to imagine for anybody unless they've been there. Right. But you have. Yes, it's so, insane, you guys. <laughs> so they're, they're going to wheel her out of the uh, maternity or the operating room yeah. into a room. And this poor woman doesn't, because the hospital doesn't have those things. So I thought, gosh, if we have on a regular harvest year, we might have about 60, 65 ladies that come out to pick coffee at the farm. Yeah. And it's a small farm, so that's not a huge amount. But I thought if if my dad wanted to be able to provide, um, you know, uh, whatever uh, needs 
any of these women might need, you kind of include that in the cost. Right. Like that, that, I mean, we all run businesses. We know that that cost has to come from somewhere. Yes. So when you, when you think about all these aspects, if you are expecting a coffee grower to have a plantation or a farm that respects the environment, that takes care of its environment, if you expect him to take care of his people, if you expect him to contribute to the community, that he has to get that money from somewhere. Right. That comes at a price. Yeah. So when you have all these sustainability talks, I would say they are forgetting the profitability aspect without being a cynical capitalist or anything like that, you have to think about the fact that someone has to pay and there's no way a grower can pay for that when he's getting 85 cents a pound. Mm. So to me, to, to talk about sustainability, I have to talk about the whole thing. Everything comes together. You know, I think there's a cost to protecting those trees. That's why you hear these horrible stories in countries like Haiti where it's completely deforested because it's so much cheaper to sell your land and have a logging company come in and cut down all the precious woods. Right. There's At the farm we have mahogany, we have cedars, we have walnut, um, and apart from other tropical precious woods that you know maybe someone here wouldn't go. Well, in order to protect those trees, in order to protect those forests, you give up production. So now maybe I'm getting half or a third of the production that another farm that is willing to grow primarily in full sun because they're not using those, um, you know, that those trees yeah. can get. That's a cost. Right. Um, if I want to run primarily biological processes for pesticides because I want to protect the birds. Mm -hmm. I want to protect the spiders that are now being a natural um, insecticide protection, right? right. Eating they're things. Helping. They're helping. Totally. Then there's a cost to that. Yeah. If I want to run, and I'm not saying organic certification, that's a whole other yeah. um, conversation. Well, conversation. <laughs> but when you, when you, when you break it down at every um, step and aspect of coffee production, there is a sustainability factor. Right. And if we want to stay true to that, if we want to deal with a grower that is committed to that, there's a cost. So that brings us back to, is the market willing? Does the customer actually really care? Yeah. And for me, I think the only way you can make a customer care is if they're getting what they want. So what, what can you expect from a cup of coffee? Well, I want it to be absurdly delicious. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have a cup of coffee that leaves anything for me to desire. And if I'm having a cup of coffee that fully and completely engulfs me in its flavor and its complexity, right. then I think that, that grower deserves whatever they want to charge me for right. that. Yeah. So when I talk with my growers, when we plan it, quality is always... Number one, mm -hmm. quality is always at the forefront for everything. Because I say the only way we're going to make people care, the only way we're going to make people pay mm -hmm. is by giving them an absolutely almost perfect product. Right. As perfect as we can get when you are dealing with a fruit, mm -hmm. when you are dealing with climate conditions, when you are dealing with terroir. Mm -hmm. 
But if we work really hard on that quality aspect, then it makes my job as a roaster, as a cafe shop owner, a lot easier in saying to someone, this is what you need to pay in order for this grower to produce this phenomenal cup of coffee, Mm -hmm. to continue to take care of all the aspects that are involved in sustainability and continue, you know, for them to be able to think that maybe in 30 years, their children will take over the farm. Yeah. My personal mission is that my grandfather started the farm in 1936 and that I'm going to see that farm still produce coffee in 2036. And it's true. It's, it's all true. It's, it's, it's something you don't think about here in North America. I think we're so blind to the fact of the struggles. I mean, seeing the hospital myself in real life, it was like, we need garbage cans here. Yes. What? Like we, it, it, so many things you don't even think about. On or how routine. can a clinic work if they only have running water for three days out of the week? Right. Yeah. And it's, it's these things we expect. I know from my paycheck, I will be able to buy gas and groceries and go home and drink water from my tap for free. I can do all of these things yeah. without question at all. And and it's such a wake up call for people to realize we ask so much of this coffee, mm-hmm. but we are not willing to put anything more into this yeah. product. And I don't I don't blame the consumer. You know, a lot of it is lack of education or lack yeah. of knowledge or lack of information. I don't put the um, onus on the consumer. I put the onus on on the companies that are sourcing this product. And, and that can be said about any product, right? There, we all heard the horrible stories of sweatshops and, and, and clothes, you know, sure, produced yeah. under deplorable conditions. So, but I think our duty as a consumer is to choose what, what that choice is. If you're choosing to consume a product and you want to consume an ethical product that is great, that is worth your money. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I always want to put quality on that because one of the biggest things you, you mentioned in the first episode, I also run a charity. One of the f- biggest roadblocks that I had when trying to establish my charity was the fact that my dad didn't want me to portray the grower in any sort of way that would create pity said the last thing these people want is pity Mm -hmm. they work hard they're incredibly smart they know they're you know they might not have an education my grandfather never went beyond grade six education um but they know what they're doing and they work so hard the last thing they want is pity Mm -hmm. they want you to reward their work just like anybody else right you go in you put in a great day at work you expect something in return right and i never want the coffee to be, um, oh, poor grower, I'm going to buy this. I think that that's just such a disservice to the grower. I really want it to be about, this is the best coffee that I've had. Mm -hmm. I cannot drink anything else. I absolutely love your coffee. Right. And that's what I think it's going to keep us in business for another 20 years. It's what is going to continue to keep my grandfather's farm producing coffee for another 15, 20, 30, 60 years. That's where I think sustainability is. Mm -hmm. You can't talk sustainability without talking profitability. We cannot talk about the social impact of coffee without talking about how profitable coffee is. Mm -hmm. And there's no way you can expect quality and corporate responsibility and any kind of social social change or environmental action without 
put in a price to it. Mm-hmm. Because any other product that we consume around here has a price. And yes, it's a market. So we, as a consumer, have the choice whether we want to pay this much or that much or this much. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there isn't the information out there, and some roasters are doing a great job at that. Right. And some coffee shops are doing a great job at that. But I think still, as a consumer, you have to be willing to ask those questions and you have to be willing to be informed. Right. And then you can make your choice. Yeah. The ball's in if your you, court. Exactly. <laughs> if you still want to buy coffee for two ninety nine a pound, go to it. Girl, we're right? not stopping you. We're <laughs> but, just trying to inform you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, and it's hard for the consumer. Like, there are all these bad words right now. So... How, what is your advice to people hearing this pot? A lot of people don't even drink coffee, but now they're encouraged yeah. to. So bring yes. it on. But the, you don't know where to start because yes. fair trade, direct trade, um, organic certified, all of these things keep popping up yes. on all these pages. What's your advice for people to, to navigate through that? How do you know if, it, if it's saying direct trade? Yes. Do you trust that all the way? I mean, how, how do people na- navigate through? Um. So uh, this might seem like a bit of a contradictory uh, answer. Uh, I think a lot of those certifications and those labels are, it, are exactly for that, to appease the consumer. Yeah. But not all those labels and not all those certifications are necessarily what that grower needs. Mm-hmm. So as a consumer, I think the best thing you can do is, is ask questions. If you have a favorite coffee shop that you go to, ask where they get their beans. So who roasts for you? Mm-hmm. Because it is a back trade, you know, uh, not not everybody in the market it, it has the privilege that I have that I am roasting and selling the coffee that is produced in my... Right, for you, you in know, your hometown. In my hometown. <laughs> yeah. I'm very lucky, I'm yes. very blessed. But not, not everybody has that. So Start with that question. So where does your coffee come from? You know, it, it comes from Nicaragua. What are the, the, the situations going on in Nicaragua? What does a grower in Nicaragua need? It's, a, it's produced in Colombia? Okay, great. Or Ethiopia, Rwanda. Every country has its own circumstances and its own needs. So trying to put them all in the same box and assuming that the conditions are the same for everyone is the worst mistake you can make. So ask those questions. And don't be so necessarily hung up on the label. My coffee is not certified for trade. It's not certified organic. I do not carry any label of certification. That is a financial decision that I made for my growers. Mm -hmm. Because certification ultimately is a cost to the grower. So in order for me to certify my grandfather's farm, there's a cost involved. And we go back to the uh, question of, is the market going to reward that? Mm -hmm. Because for us, our focus is quality. It was never certification. It was never to sell our coffee under any other basis except for the fact that people will absolutely love it. Certification wasn't part of the plan. It's still not part of the plan. Maybe I'll change my mind sometime. But at this point, it's not really what helps us. So if someone is going to look at my coffee and it's going to discard it um, because I don't have a certification, then they're probably committing the first offense, which is you're not choosing to 
educate yourself in the product that you're consuming. Yeah, and that was really, that opened my eyes when you told me about that when I started because I I really, I trusted that <laughs> the advertising, I, I thought I was doing the right thing. And it's funny now, I'll walk through like Winners and Home Sense and look through their coffee, like this is home furnishing yeah. stores and they have their big coffee yes. sections. <laughs> and even in frigging Winners, they yeah. will put, this is direct trade, trade, this is blah, blah, blah. I don't know what they're saying. But I'm like, oh my God, we, okay, we need to address yes. that first because I just like there's these bits of information people yes. never get access to. So, you know, if and I had never started, it's, it's, it makes been, you feel good, right? If yeah. you don't know anything and you want to pick up a bag of coffee, you want to pick up something that says fair trade certified because right. you want to feel good about that. And there is a place for fair trade certified coffee. Mm-hmm. There is a place for Rainforest Alliance certified coffee. But there's also a place for coffee that is not certified. When I am buying three bags of coffee from a grower, that is barely... Um, 300, 450, 456 pounds. And that is their entire harvest. There's no way I'm going to ask them to have to pay a certification fee because they will make whatever profit they're making on that coffee will be completely erased. And now I have to think about having to up the price of that coffee and am I then pricing him out of the market? And now no one is going to buy that coffee because they're going to consider it too expensive. So it's, it's a decision that again comes back to, yes, we work in a market, a supply and demand market, but the circumstances and conditions for every grower are different. I consider it my job as a roaster and you know, as a cafe owner to say, these are the conditions of this grower. This is what he can produce. This is how I can best roast this coffee. This is how we can best brew it. And now it's up to consumer to make that choice. Yeah. That's all we can do. That's all we can ask for. Please make the right choice. (laughs) I know I sound like such a mother, eh? Make the right decisions. (laughs) No, that's been me for the past six episodes. I'm like, guys, have I made you any wiser? I'm trying. Oh, Maria, that was amazing. Thank you so much. I could go on talking to you forever. I know. We could sit here and talk for a very <laughs> long time. We this interview with Jacob. You're going to have to reel us in because we'll go on and on and on. Um, oh, thank you. That was yeah. awesome. I hope that this was helpful to you guys. This I, gives people a little glimpse of what we're like on the cupping table, yeah, right? All day. Yeah, this is <laughs> what we do all day. Um, we just sit and talk about all this stuff. We've had this conversation 50 times and it never gets old. No, it never does. <laughs> I love it every time. No. Um, know if you have any anything from this conversation you'd like to expand on or like to know more because you know it doesn't bother us at all we, no. we'll have five more episodes with marie if we need to i don't care <laughs> uh, yeah so that that's um, you know my thing on sustainability i wanted nobody better than maria to to break that ice for you guys because it's such a huge monstrous topic and it's so easy to get confused and so I'm hoping this just planted a few seeds along the way, um, and we can we can keep talking about this if you want to. But we're gonna wrap it up for today. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again, Maria. You are incredible, oh, no. Maria Thiaios. She is so great, you guys. And um, Jacob Bancy's here with me as well. He is producing and editing this podcast. He also did all the intro and outro music. This episode was also recorded at the Atrium in St. Thomas. I think I'm almost done my spiel. Um, you can find us all on Instagram. You can find Maria at Maria uh, underscore and underscore coffee. 
You can find Jacob at Gene underscore daddy. You can find me at Helm Rach. And you can find Afternoon Bloom at Afternoon Bloom. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.